Good morning, SBC. Let's rise to our feet. Let's worship the Lord together. It's great to see all of you here today. Thank you as well to everyone who's tuning in online. We got some celebrating to do. Here we go. There was between us, by the cross you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You call me out of the grave. You call me into the light. You call my name, and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love awakens me. Feel the darkness shaking. All the dead are coming back to life. Back to life. Hear the song awaken. All creation singing, we're alive. Cause you're alive. You call me out of the grave. You call me into the light. You call my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens. Awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is stronger. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens me. What a love. What a love we found. Death can't hold us down. We shout it out. You're alive. Cause you're alive. What a love we found. Death can't hold us down. We shout it out. We're alive. His great love for us. I praise God for that. Let's sing it again. Your love. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens. Put our hands together, church, just like this. All right. Where can we run? 
Where can we hide? Is there a place that we can go where you cannot find us? You're there when we fall. There when we rise. Nothing is hidden from your face. That's right. You know every breath we take. Your love, your love has found us, your love has found us, we are yours forever. Your love has found us, it's all around us, holding us together. Nothing on earth, above or below, nothing in all the universe can take us from your love. You came to us, you made us your own, you have redeemed us from the fall.
Well, that's some good news, ain't it? Yes, sweet. <laughs> I want to share with you a passage of Scripture, Jeremiah thirty-two, seventeen. It says, Ah, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Okay? That's not my opinion. That's not from a book that an author, you know, that was you know, published and sold in a Christian bookstore. That's from the scriptures. Nothing is too hard for you. There is no need that he can't meet. There is no problem that he can't overcome. There is no sin that he can't forgive. He will turn away no one who calls on his name. No one who says, God, I'm here. I need you. I look to you for help. And I love this next song that we're about to do. It's called, God, I Look to You. And I pray that we can sing it together with the full confidence and assurance in the fact that we can trust in him. That we can, as it says in the book of Hebrews, boldly approach his throne of grace to find help and mercy in our time of need. This is God, I look to you. Give me vision to see things like 
church good morning feels good in here huh grateful 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 well this morning we are going to turn our our focus to revival prayer and the first sunday of every month we meet here in the church at 6 30 for the sole purpose of worship and prayer and specifically for revival prayer 
Praying for revival is part of the culture of our church because we know that hope lies in the work of the Spirit, changing hearts, changing lives. And apart from the Spirit doing that, there's no hope. So um, we need the Spirit of the living God to move and to change us. That is what we need, and that is what our community needs, and that is what our world needs. And so we pray. I've been reading through the New Testament, and one of my study habits, it's probably one of yours too, is I um, either underline or circle or somehow mark a keyword. And pray or prayer is one of those keywords. Now, I haven't counted them. I'm sure Gary has. But I haven't actually counted them. But what I know is that it is woven into Scripture so profoundly that it shows that prayer is a way of life, it is a priority, and it's a necessity. It's what connects our hearts to God. So here's just a couple of passages. I was flipping through my Bible, looking at all those, those circles um, about prayer, and, and there's a couple of things that I saw. Now, first of all is we are to give our attention to prayer. We're to give our attention. Prayer is a priority, and prayer is a way of life. Matthew 21:13 says this, It is written, he said to them, My house shall be called a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. Matthew 26:41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Colossians 4:2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Romans 12:12. 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Secondly, we're to pray for others. Matthew 5:44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Acts 12:5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Ephesians 6:18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And in Colossians 4.3, there's a, a scripture where Paul is asking others to pray for him. He says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And finally, God sees, God hears, and God responds to prayer. Luke 1.13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. I've read this passage before, but I love it. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 4. And the, the disciples were all together. And it's, now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Acts 9:11, The Lord told him, he was speaking to Ananias, Go to the house of Judas on Straight, on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. God saw Saul praying. Acts 10:31, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. As we read God's word, it is clear that we are to give attention to prayer. 
that we are to pray for others and that God hears and responds to the prayers of his people. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are great and you are holy and you are powerful and there's nothing that is impossible for you. We come before you and we ask, Lord, for forgiveness when we have been dulled by this world instead of being awed by you, when we've listened but not been open to learning, God, forgive us. We draw near humbly seeking your grace and forgiveness, and we thank you that when we come before you in that posture, you hear our prayers. This morning, we want to pray with boldness and confidence. May the spirit of the living God move in our hearts, move in our churches. Lord, pour out your spirit and may it change us. May it change our city. May it change our world. Awaken us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit that lives in us. And God, we look to you. You are where our help comes from. God, we ask that you would draw hearts to you. Open eyes, open hearts, and may the hurt, lost, broken find hope and redemption in your name. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So right now I'm going to ask you to take a moment and just greet those around you. And feel free to invite them back tonight at 630 for Revival Prayer. All right, folks, let's make our way back to our seats. Before we uh, continue with our worship, one of the things I forgot to mention is um, 
Our uh, Adventure Zone classroom is open today. Uh, Daniel and Kayla Mickler are back there teaching this morning, so if you'd like to take advantage of that, um, any kids would be honored to have they'd be honored to have you back there. So feel free to take advantage of that. They're they're ready for you, ready, w- willing, and able. All right. So last week, our guest worship leader Becky uh, introduced this song, and I'd like to bring it back today love this song, inviting the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to work in and through us and help us become more like Jesus. I mean, what a great prayer that is, right? So let's sing this one, church. Here we go. When you fall, we 
fall at your feet. When you speak, when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, what we see. When you come in the room, when you do what only you can do, it changes us. Changes what we see, what we see. Sing spirit, spirit of the living God, spirit of the living God. We only wanna hear Your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every word. Church, let's pray together. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for his presence in our life, for his desire to be our advocate, to change us from the inside out and help us become more like Jesus. We are so grateful for that. Lord, I pray for Pastor Gary right now as he brings your word. Help him to preach with wisdom and with courage and with grace and help us to have ears to hear and a fertile heart to let your your word take root and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Hey, it's good to see you all today. Yeah, yeah. If you're joining us from uh, YouTube or Facebook, we're really glad you're with us as well. So uh, in case you have not heard, uh, I had a little medical procedure on Friday, and uh, I'm doing great. Everything's going well. Uh, the only thing is I did have a, a breathing tube, uh, and so my throat is a little bit raw, so I do have water. I will take sips throughout the message. If I start coughing, you understand why. But it's not a big deal. So, uh, but I'm actually doing really, really quite well. I really am. I asked the, the doctor when I could start riding my bike again. He said, well, he said, you're not supposed to do lift weights, anything like that for like two weeks. And uh, he said, but, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen, you're going to have a little bit of a nosebleed, so it's not a big deal. So anyway, uh, uh, I'll try not to have a nosebleed in front of you, though, okay? So uh, that's that. The other thing is uh, I'm giving myself permission to be distracted while I preach to you today. Is that okay? Uh, because my daughter-in-law, her water broke this morning, and she's in labor. All right? So, so we're looking forward to uh, grandbaby number one. I do have my phone on. Everybody else, you need to turn yours off. Okay, uh, there will only be one interruption. That's for me. All right. So uh, so this is this is, you know, the other day what I did was I, I, I actually prepared this message in advance, which is a good practice. Okay, uh, you wouldn't want me to come up here and figure out what to say. All right. Uh, but I, I I I what I did was we actually videotaped the message in advance just in case from the surgery. I couldn't be here today uh, or couldn't preach. And uh and, and, and so what I did was I, I prepared the whole thing, and I went back and I listened to it. I wanted to make sure the sound, everything was good. I actually fell asleep in this sermon, okay? I did. So it's really not that bad, as bad as it sounds. I didn't sleep well the night before. That's why I fell asleep. So it's really, actually, I think it's a good word. Uh, we're going to be looking today at, a, at Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 37. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to open up to that. Uh, before we do that, you know, for me, in my walk with Jesus... 
Um, you know, my daily time in the Word, my daily time in prayer with God is absolutely huge. Coming together with the people of God to worship is absolutely huge. But I'll tell you one thing that for me is this is the difference maker between me really doing well spiritually and me not doing well spiritually. Is if I have a group of guys around me who are following Jesus with me. Okay? When I have a group of guys around me, and we're following Jesus together. I, by the way, it's the, today is day two of the Tour de France. All right? I'm a cyclist, so, okay. Uh, you watch guys in a pace line riding together, and they go so fast. I mean, when I'm in a pace line with people, and I'm riding, I get in a pace line, I can ride a lot faster than I can by myself. And uh, you just want to be in a pace line with people who know what they're doing. Uh, that way you don't end up in the ER. But, uh, but you know, it's the same way. In our walks with Jesus, when we are really connecting well, I look back on my life, I think about 2016 was a year that we went through a lot of challenges as a family. It was a tough year for us. We had a couple of really, really big uh, medical issues in our family. Uh, Joy was initially diagnosed with having, um, with having uh, lymphoma uh, and, and ended up having to have surgery. Uh, our youngest daughter, Faith, uh, ended up in the hospital for 10 days with an eating disorder. And uh, and then there was just all the expenses, the medical expenses that came with that. That year was a very, very difficult th- year for me. But in my life, there were people like Matt Skinner. There were guys in my life like John Spreadbury, Steve Acord, Eric Clausen, our elders at that time. These guys were supporting me in prayer. They were encouraging me, uh, my family. Uh, they were they were with us, and the rest of the church was too. But but you know, guys, we're going to do better. We're going to do better when you have a friend that you can open up and you can talk with about anything. If you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you need encouragement, if you need help, if you just need someone to pray on your behalf, all of us guys need that. And ladies, you need it too. But you're not invited to this, okay? Uh, so what we're going to do is four weeks from tomorrow, Monday at six o'clock, ladies, you can go to the four o'clock today at my, with my wife, with her Bible study. But, but what we're going to do at 6 p.m. Uh, on July the 31st, this is the last uh, Monday of the month, uh, we're going to have a men's fellowship. And we're going to have hamburgers, okay? And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of other stuff, whatever you bring. Uh, but we got a sign-up sheet in the back, back here, uh, at the table, back table. And uh, so, guys, I'd like you to sign up. Because uh, I, I kind of need to know who's going to be there so we know how many people to prepare for. Tell me, give me your phone number, your email address, your Visa card number, your MasterCard number. No, you don't have to give me those. Uh, your Social Security. No, you don't have to. Uh, but uh, also what you're going to bring. So that we're, you know, we're going to need some things like hamburger buns, sturdy plates, napkins, plasticware, chips, beans, potato salad, waters, salad, uh, lettuce, sliced tomatoes and onions and or dessert. All of that's on there. You can sign up for whatever you want to bring. So, uh, but that's going to be four weeks from tomorrow. And uh, what we're going to do, uh, just so you're kind of aware, is uh, our aim is to create a safe place. Safe place. Okay? We're going to create a safe place where men can connect and grow. The men of this church and men of our community. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to eat together because that's fun. Uh, we're going to fellowship together. We're going to build friendship. We're going to open the Bible together. I'm going to share with you a couple of things. We'll talk about that. And, uh, and then we're going to pray together and, uh, because I think that's what men do when they follow Jesus. So I want to invite all of you guys to that. So that's coming up. Uh, 
we're doing a series right now on the book of Acts. Oh, wow, man. Uh, it, we're doing a series on the book of Acts called How the Spirit Changes Everything. We're just sp- singing about the Holy Spirit a moment ago. The Spirit, the Spirit of God does incredible things in our lives when we're yielded to Him. Did you know that? He does incredible things. You know, it's, it's real interesting today in America... Um, there are some people who are very connected, very connected in a church family. And, uh, and it's, it's just, it's a wonderful experience for them. Some people just kind of go because that's what they grew up doing. Then there are some people, to them, church feels irrelevant. They just, they're kind of apathetic to the idea of the church. And then there are some people who are really, really turned off. And the reason that that's true, the reason that some people are apathetic, and the reason that some people are actually antagonistic to the church is one reason is this. Jesus said it like this. He says that, that he says that um, it's here somewhere in my notes. Um, he says this. He says um, he says if the world hates and despises you, remember it it hated and despised me. Uh, the student is not greater than his teacher. See, sometimes people hate the church. Because they don't like Jesus. Alright? And they don't like truth. That's true. But there's another reason. There's another reason why a lot of people are disinterested in the church. They are apathetic with church. Or they are antagonistic against the church. And you know why? Because of spiritual declension. Spiritual decline. When, 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 when people see no evidence of the power of God and the Spirit of God in our lives, this, for the world, you ever see two magnets that repel each other instead of attracting each other? See, what people need to see is they need to see something happening in us that looks like love, not like condemnation. Are you with me? By the way, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's our job to love and to invite people to Jesus. Does that make sense? You know, a mark of a healthy church, a mark of a healthy church is that it is growing. And I want to be careful how I say this. I want to make sure this is like super clear. A church can be growing numerically, but it be in spiritual decline. Did you know that? Not everything that glitters is gold. That's in the Bible somewhere. No, just kidding. It's not. It's not. But not everything that glitters is gold. You know, I recently read an article from Christianity Today, and it was really, really fascinating because it was talking a little bit about the um, the Amazon, uh, the Amazon, um, uh, what do you call it, documentary on what happened at Hillsong and uh, in New York and. Uh, and then they were also talking about Tim Keller and uh, his church, uh, Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City. Two very, very different churches. Stylistically, very, very different. Uh, one church, um, you know, Tim Keller, wonderful guy. Really wonderful guy. Okay? Carl Lentz, I don't want to rip on him, but, I mean, the guy had to step down in scandal, in a, the middle of a scandal, uh, because of a number of extramarital affairs. And one church was characterized by awesome music, awesome music, and uh, a lot of celebrity, 
A lot of celebrity, lots of... And then the other church was a church where the music might be a little bit more like our music. The preaching, well, gee, I wish I could preach like Tim Keller. <laughs> I wish. Um, but he is probably, he's a model for me. He's definitely one of my models of a guy I would like to be more like and preach more like. And, and I don't know how many of you know this, but Tim Keller recently went to be at the Lord after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. And in, in, in this article, they were highlighting how different these two churches are and highlighting how do, different the two leaders are. I'm saying all this because I believe it's hugely important is when we look at the Bible and we look at the church in the book of Acts, because the book of Acts tells us the story after the crucifixion of Jesus and after his resurrection and after he ascended into heaven. And we see this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this church church begins with about 120 people. Okay, it's not by our standards. Nobody would think it was a remarkable church. They did not have a fantastic praise band. Did you know that? They didn't have a fantastic praise band. They didn't even have a stage. They did not have fog machines. They didn't have fancy lights. They didn't even have a building. But they had the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. And, and what happened is, is that this church began to grow spiritually before it grew numerically. See, healthy churches always grow spiritually before they grow numerically. And the world needs to see that. They need to see the Spirit of God making a difference in our lives. They need to see growth, spiritual growth, then numerical growth that comes through repentance. Repentance. You know who needs to repent? Every single person in this room. I'm going to say that. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying that every time I have a bad attitude that either wounds my wife or any other person, every time I say something or do something that's selfish, I need to repent. Every time I say or do something that is proud, that pride is behind it, I need to repent. And so do you. That we have to turn from our sin and we have to turn to Jesus and not, not, not drowning ourselves in remorse, but coming to Jesus for grace. Because grace is what changes lives. Grace. But... This church grew through repentance, through conversion, through revival prayer. They were praying, praying, praying for the advancement of the gospel in their community. And it happened. They were going through revival prayer. They were going through an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a radical, awesome, incredible love for one another. And we're going to see some of that today. Radical love for one another. Radical love for lost people. They were growing through gospel proclamation and biblically faithful preaching. Folks, this is what we want for Solana Valley Church, right? It's what we want for Solana Valley Church. We want to grow in these ways. And it's what every healthy Christian and it's what every healthy church wants. The church in North America today needs spiritual renewal. It needs revival. Uh, the solution to declension is repentance, renewal, and revival. And that's why we gather tonight for revival prayer. We're going to look at our Bible here. 
Let me just give you, beginning in verse 23, Acts chapter 4, let me give you a little bit of context so you know what's happening. Um, there was Peter and John, they were headed into the temple. This is probably, I don't know, maybe a year after uh, Pentecost. We know it wasn't too long after Pentecost because of the, the high priests that are named uh, in, in Acts chapter 4. So it was probably about a year after Pentecost. Could have been as many as two, but not more than that. The church had been growing dramatically. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And a church of 120 became a church of 3,120 overnight. Okay? Shortly after that, it grew to be more than 5,000 men plus women and children. Church could have been as many as 15,000 people. Could have been. Um, the, the church was growing dramatically. Uh, Peter and John, they were entering into the temple by a gate called Beautiful. And as they were entering through this gate, they see a man who's been lame for 40 years, lame, laying by this gate. And he would beg daily, beg for money, 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 lunch money, so he could live one more day. Peter and John, they come up to this guy, and Peter says, silver and gold, we don't have any of that, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand and walk. And he raises this man up, and God heals that man. And people are like, wow, this guy's been lame for 40 years. We've been, we've been walking through here every day, every week for 40 years, seeing this guy lame. And what happened? And Peter begins to preach to these people. And he says, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this man has been healed. And then he began to speak to the people and he says, folks, you need to repent. You need to turn from your sin and you need to turn to God so that your sins will be washed away. Well, in all the middle of this, some religious leaders walked up and they were not pleased that Peter and John were preaching in the name of Jesus and preaching in the name of Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so they were arrested they were put in jail overnight, and the next day they are tried. And, uh, and Peter and John, uh, the, the, you know, Peter says, you know, he says this. He says, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they say, well, you can't preach in that name any longer. And Peter says, well, whether we should obey you or God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about what we have heard and what we have seen. And so they released them, and in verse 23, the Bible says this. On their release, Peter and John, they're released from jail that day. They returned to, it says, Peter and John went back to their own people, the church, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When all the people heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. You see that? What's the, the first thing they do is they pray. And I want you to see how they pray. Folks, not every kind of prayer is equal. There's a kind of prayer that God wants for you and a kind of prayer that God wants for me. And I want you to see this. And when they pray, they pray this, Sovereign Lord, they said. Sovereign Lord. By the way, the Greek word there is despotes, where we get our word despot from. Normally when you think of a despot, you think of someone who is, uh, I don't know, tyrannical, uh, brutal. Uh, in the way that they rule. 
But the Greek word, the original Greek word, meant one with absolute power, but wasn't necessarily someone who was a tyrant. In our case, our despot has absolute power, but he also has absolute love and kindness. Uh, and, and, and so when they're praying to God, they're praying to God as one who has absolute power. They say, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You created all things. See, their vision of God was huge. Their vision of God shaped the way they prayed. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your, ser- our, your servant, our father David. By the way, the other thing I want you to see in this prayer is their prayer was shaped by this view and this understanding that God is great and awesome, but it was also shaped by Scripture. And in their prayer, they actually quote Scripture, Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, the rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed. Very quick, time out. Psalm chapter 2. I just read to you the first two verses that they're quoting from here. In Psalm chapter 2, what's happening is the nations are rising up against the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, and against His anointed. By the way, anointed, where we get our word Messiah, the Christ. Against the Lord and against His Christ. All the way back a thousand years before Jesus was born. And and in this Psalm, Psalm chapter 2, the nations are against the Lord God. And in the end, God puts the nations in their place. And He rules with absolute authority. And so they quote from this psalm, they quote from the psalm, and then they, in verse 27, indeed, and now, what they do is they take that psalm, written a thousand years before, and they apply it to their context in that moment, that time, that place in history. And they say, and in their prayer, they pray this, indeed, Herod, Herod, who was a ruler of the Jews, Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, met together with the Gentiles, the Romans, and the people of Israel in this city, Jerusalem, to, to dis- conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. They were seeing the fulfillment of Psalm 2 and the very events that led to the crucifixion of Jesus. Verse 28 Don't miss this. This is like awesome. Verse 28. They did what your power. You see that word power? See, they have this understanding of God that shapes the way they pray. They did what your power and your will decided beforehand should happen. The New American Standard says it this way. They did... What you predestined would, would uh, verse 27, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I lost myself in the 28. They did what you predestined beforehand should happen. The ESV says the same thing. The New Living Translation says it like this. I'm sorry, I'm working from memory. But they said, they did what you predetermined beforehand that would happen. The point that, that's really important in the way that they pray is that they saw... Everything that happened 
Jesus was not a victim. It was a part of God's predetermined plan in eternity past. God had purposed this in eternity past that these things would happen to accomplish your salvation. See, without the predetermined plan of God, none of us would be saved. But because of what God purposed, His own Son to suffer on my behalf and your behalf, to save us, What, what they are praying is they see that God is outrageously in charge of everything that has happened and everything that is happening. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Consider their threats. Now, okay, if this is me praying, if this is me praying, I might say, Lord, strike them in the mouth. Knock their teeth out, you know? You know? Or, oh, Lord, we're being persecuted, you know? Protect us. Take away this persecution. I want you to see how they prayed. The way they prayed, they said this. They said, um, now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They're not asking for comfort. They're not asking for comfort. They're not asking for an easy path in following Jesus. If anybody tells you that following Jesus is easy... If anybody tells you it's just going to be, you know, always up and to the right, I'm sorry, but sometimes following Jesus is really hard. Sometimes following Jesus is very painful. Sometimes following Jesus results in death. That's the reason Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself. Not let him indulge himself. But let him deny himself. Take up his cross, by the way, instrument of death. Take up his cross and follow me. Where am I at? 29. Okay. We'll get off it. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're saying, God, do something awesome among us. Do something awesome in us. Do something awesome through us. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. You made allusion to that earlier today, Carolyn, and you did a couple of weeks ago in revival prayer. And, um, yeah, imagine us praying here and imagining this building shaking, not by an earthquake, but by the presence of God. Isaiah chapter 6 is real interesting. Isaiah sees this vision of God, and the Bible tells us that the thresholds of the temple shook. At the cross, the Bible tells us, as Jesus, in his last breaths, that the ground shook with his death. When the the ground shakes, God's going to do something awesome. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all. You see that word all? That's an important word. You know what that means? It means all. It means everyone. This doesn't mean just the apostles. It doesn't just mean the religious leaders. But they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And all, listen, all, 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 they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they 
all spoke the word of God boldly. This is not just the word of the apostles. It was the word of every believer, every follower of Jesus, every man, every woman, every child, speaking the word of God, filled with the Spirit. That's what our world needs. It needs us to be filled with the Spirit, speaking the word of God courageously. Boldly. Verse 32 says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. They weren't bickering. They weren't fighting. They weren't arguing. There was no acrimony. All the believers were one in one heart and mind. They were united. Look at this. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They were ready to sell whatever they had to help other people. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. And this to me is really cool, because I think what happens in verse 33 happens because of what happened in verse 32. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. See, when we are outrageously generous, did you know what, you know what happens in a church where the people are outrageously generous? Do you know what actually affects the preaching of a pastor? It affected their preaching and their teaching. They were, uh, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully, circle that word powerfully, God's grace, God's grace, circle that word, that's an important word. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all um, in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. Wow, that's like crazy. No needy people. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. We're going to read more about him later. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sowed a field he had owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. I want to share with you a couple things from the text. Uh, First thing I want you to, well, let me just put it this way. Let me just kind of summarize everything for you, if I can do that. The church is at its best, all right? The church is at its best. I would really like to see the church at its best. Wouldn't you? The church is at its best when it prays God-shaped prayers. Did you know that? The church is at its best when it is spirit-filled and preaches the Word of God with boldness. And the church is at its best when it is united and extravagantly generous. Uh, first thing, the Lord is at its, or excuse me, the church is at its best when, when it prays God-shaped prayers. That what the 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 what what we see here, verse twenty four. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. The New American Standard says it like this: It says that that when they heard this, they all prayed together with one accord. The accords, they're in the Bible. They're in our church too. Let's all pray with one accord, okay? I'll pray with Steve. Someone else can pray with Sandy, all right? 
But they all prayed together with one accord, meaning that they were united. They were united in prayer. Hey, guess what? Guess what? When we unite together in how we pray, you know what happens? God hears us. When there's unity in prayer, when a church unites in prayer about this one thing, God answers. They were united in prayer. That when they prayed, they addressed God as the sovereign Lord. This is not just... This isn't, they, they dressed Him as sovereign Lord because they believed He's the sovereign Lord. They believed that He was awesomely in charge. He is awesomely, awesomely in charge. Outrageously crazy in charge. That's our God. Our God created the heavens and the earth and all they contain. You know, did you know there's a star? There's a star. I, I, I can't remember what the name of it is. There's a star that is so big that if it were in our solar system, that the reach of that star would swallow, would swallow up uh, Mercury and Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. It would fill a vast amount of just our solar system. Did you know God created that? Boom, just like that. It was easy for him. Just simple. By the way, he created every other star in every other galaxy, every galaxy in the universe, and he did it instantaneously in a flash, in faster than you can open and close your eyes. I mean, God is awesomely powerful. You know, when you understand how awesome God is in his power, it will change the way you pray. They pray scripture-shaped prayer, quoting scripture. They, they, they see that God is behind everything that happens, even the bad things like Jesus being crucified. They see that all of this is a part of God's eternal, perfect plan to save humanity. Um, you know, that, that the church is at its best when it prays God-shaped prayers. By the way, part of praying God-shaped prayers it's okay when it's 103 degrees. Okay, I just want to make sure this is clear. It's okay if it's 103 degrees and you're going to the mall. It's okay to pray for a shady parking space. But there is not one, all right? Because <laughs> we went yesterday. It's okay to pray for a shady parking place. It's okay to pray for a, a parking place when you go to the mall. But it's also okay to pray that God will save your lost friends. It's also okay to pray that God will give you the boldness and the courage to be a witness to your friend. It's okay to do that. God, see, see, God's not limited in what he can do in you or through you. Did you know that? Well, God, I'm not very good at this. Well, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about how good I am at, at something. It's about God. God loves to work through people. And he wants to work through you, and he wants to work through, through me. And that's the reason when they prayed, they prayed, they prayed. They prayed that God would enable his servants to speak the word of God with great boldness. But the first thing I want you to see is the church is at its best when it prays God-shaped prayers. We're going to pause for a moment. There's more to this sermon. I'm going to say something to you, okay? Anybody feel anxious today about anything? Sorry, we're not going to listen to you guys. We're going to listen to me. 
I want to share with you my anxiety. We did this the other day in our in, in our men's group. We we were talking about anxiety. We were talking about, you know, what makes you anxious? And Matt said he was anxious. I'm sorry. Can I say this? About starting your new job? About starting your new job? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, y'all, y'all, y'all understand that Matt is stepping down as the, the, the worship pastor of our church, but Matt and Carolyn are still going to be an important part of our church. And Matt is not leaving ministry. Matt is simply leaving one ministry for another ministry. He's going to be a light, salt and light, to young people in our community who need, they need the salt, salt and light of someone like Matt to represent Jesus to them. That's a ministry. Did you know that? Now, folks, Matt and I have been working together for 29 years. I think it was 29 years in, in June. I think it was in June uh, that, that uh, Matt and Carolyn joined us of 1994. We've been working together for a long time. You know, I'm, I'm going to be leaving on vacation later this month, and it's always been so good that I can say the PC or whoever's coming, just give Matt whatever you need to give him to be ready and just show up on Sunday, and he'll take care of everything. After July, I can't do that anymore. And I feel a little bit anxious about that. So this is what I want you to understand is that Matt's stepping down from being the worship pastor of our church, but the Holy Spirit is not stepping down, okay? The Holy Spirit's still going to be here. He's still going to be working. And, uh, and we have been praying and we've been looking for that next worship pastor. This last week, we've been meeting with one person in particular uh, a number of times recently Really, really sharp young man. His wife is awesome. Fantastic people. They're actually, they've got another church, bigger church, well-resourced, who's inviting them to go down to San Luis Obispo. I know the church. And, um, but I think they might want to be here. I think they might want to be here. I do, you know. But what we want is we don't want, we want a called person. That's what we want. We want someone who's called to this church. We want someone who's called to this community. We want someone who is called to lead people in worship. So we're going to pause and we're going to pray a God-shaped prayer right now, and then I'm going to continue with my message. Can we do that? God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are faithful. Lord, you know our needs. Uh, and as the, that early church prayed, Lord, you are sovereign. You are the sovereign Lord. You are awesomely crazy in charge. And, and God, you created all things and nothing is too difficult for you. So, Lord, we bring to you. Lord, every person here probably has an anxious concern of at least one kind. And God, I want whatever is in the hearts of people here today. I want to lift those to you. But, Lord, I also want to lift this to you. And God, what we pray for is we pray for God's will for James and Megan. Wherever you want them, guide them there. Whether that's here or San Luis Obispo or New York, or another place, guide them where you want them to be. And Lord, we pray for the right person, the called person, to this church, to this community. And so we just lift that need up to you, and we pray that you will meet that need in a way that honors and glorifies you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I figure if we talk about prayer, we should probably pray, right? Number two, there's a second point here. It's really important. The church is at its best when, it's, when it is spirit-filled, and it preaches the word of God boldly. That what the Bible says here in verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God wants you, God wants me to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit every day. 
I need Him every day. Every day I need to say, Holy Spirit, I ask You to fill me. I ask You to guide me. I ask You to help me to walk by You, with You, so that I'm living out what the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in my life. I need Your Spirit, Lord, today. Fill me with Your Spirit. But, but, but what they did is they were all filled with the Spirit, but they were also, and we all need to be filled with the Spirit, but they also spoke the Word of God boldly. They spoke the Word of God boldly. That's what the Bible says. Uh, they spoke the Word of God boldly. Friday, Friday, I have a doctor, okay? Well, I actually had several doctors. But one of the doctors, going through, asked me bunches of questions about medical stuff. And he says, oh, I see you're a pastor. I said, yeah. He says, what church? I said, Solana Valley Church in Fairfield. Oh. And how do, you, how do you guys stand up week after week and have something to say? I mean, I would run out of stuff to say, say after about four weeks. And I said, well, when you preach the Bible, you never run it out, out of anything to say. I mean, I'm on Acts 4 today. When, we'll be on Acts 5 next week, okay? I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like when you're preaching the Scripture, there's... You know, I don't know. There's like 1,200 chapters, I think, or 11. I think there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. If you take a chapter a week, I mean, you can preach for a long time, all right? Um, I can preach for a long time on less than a chapter, all right? I'm doing it now. Y'all want to eat ice cream. I know what you want. Okay. They spoke the word of God boldly. Two things here. Two things. Very important. We must boldly proclaim the gospel to lost people so that they will be saved. We do. We need to proclaim the gospel boldly. You know, um, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, 17, Paul said this. He says that that I, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Please don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. It's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. For Jew and Gentile. (coughs) Black and white. Asian and Hispanic. Republican and Democrat. Gay and straight. It doesn't matter where you come from. The, 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 The gospel is the power of God that saves people. All kinds of people. For the honor and the glory of His name and because of His great love for lost people. That we need to proclaim the gospel to lost people so that they will be saved. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That that we, we we have to speak the word of God boldly. There's a secondary application to this. We must boldly proclaim the word of God even, even, when it is unpopular. We need to proclaim the Word of God, I would say especially when it's unpopular. And people don't want to hear it. Why do I say that? You know, it, it's very interesting is that, that right now, everything that's happening in the book of Acts, everything is just, man, things are, it's awesome. But as we continue through the book of Acts, it's about to get really, really hard. It's, it's going to start getting a lot harder. You're going to start seeing a lot of pain. You're going to start seeing some suffering. You're going to start seeing some sacrifice. You're going to see people who die for the sake of Jesus. 
we we have to be bold. We have to proclaim the uh, we have to boldly proclaim the word of God, even when it's unpopular. You know, Paul told Timothy this. He said this. He said, "Preach the word, preach the word." Uh, in in Acts, they spoke the word of God boldly. Paul told Timothy. Paul told Timothy. This is in Second Timothy. Understand that Timothy. Excuse me. Paul is in prison when he's writing this text. This is the last thing he will ever write. And then his head will be cut off by order of Nero. He's about to be killed for his faith. And Paul says this to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor in a church in Ephesus. And Paul writes to Timothy, one he called his son in the faith. Paul writes to him and he says, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Folks, not everything that glitters is gold. Not everything that glitters is gold. The measure of the health of a church is are they proclaiming the word of God? I'm sorry, I'm getting carried away. Third thing, I want to say this. The church is at its best when it's united and extravagantly generous. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. They were united. They weren't divided. They weren't divided over their politics. They weren't divided over premillennialism, postmillennialism, and amillennialism. And if you don't know what any of those are, don't worry about it, Okay? They weren't divided over their politics. They weren't divided over race issues, although we do see a race issue that's going to come up in Acts chapter 6. It's going to be really cool how they resolve it. Super cool. You want to be with us when we look at Acts 6. First conflict in the church was over race. Did you know that? That's the reason we need to talk about race. That's the reason we need to understand race from a biblical perspective. Um. But they were united. They were united. And, and folks, they were united. Um, you, know, you know, how important is unity in the church? John chapter 17, you know what Jesus prayed for? He prayed for our unity. Did you know that? In, in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, Paul, uh, Paul says this. He says, be completely humble. Did he say be kind of humble? No. He said be completely humble. Okay? I mean, that's kind of hard. To be completely humble. Be completely humble and gentle. That's really hard for me. I'm still working on it. God's working on me. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. That's sometimes hard for me. You know, particularly if I'm in a hurry and someone else isn't. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. You know, bearing with other people in love. That can be testy sometimes. That's not always easy. And then he says this. Make every effort. You know what it means to make every effort? It means to work hard at it. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So what is it that God wants us... What is unity supposed to look like in the church? We are to be united under the Lordship of Christ. We are to be united in prayer. We are to be united in proclaiming the gospel. We are to be united in the work of making disciples. We, are, we want to be united under the teaching authority of God's Word. And then... 
if you're, you know, if you're a San Francisco 49er fan, that's okay. If you're a Las Vegas Raiders fan, which I still think sounds weird to me, that's okay. If you are, I don't know, a Dallas Cowboy fan, if you're an Arkansas Razorback fan, you're especially blessed. If you root for Texas A&M, you're going to hell. There's no hope. All right? You know, there are so many other things we get to disagree on, and that's okay. All right? The other thing you see in the church is they were outrageously generous. I mean, they were even selling their homes to meet the needs of other people. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, let me just make a few comments about this. I think it's important. This radical, outrageous generosity was not some kind of Christian communism. It wasn't that. Some people have tried to suggest that. It's not what it was. All right? Sorry. It's not that. No, no. Because, first of all, anybody ever live in a communist country besides me? I did. Spent a year there. Living in a country. And I visited a lot of other ones. Okay? You don't want that. I, I'm just telling you, you don't want that. You really don't. Okay? Because what it is, is it's just people making money off other people. They're just doing it through governmental means. Okay? There's not really fair sharing. There really isn't. All right? This is not some kind of Christian communism. It was just outrageous generosity. It was a total and complete rejection of materialism. That's what it was. It was a total, complete rejection of materialism. We will not make money our God. We will not make our possessions our God. We will not make financial security our God. We will put our hope, our trust, not in the things that we own. We will put our hope and our trust in God. And we will pray, give us this day our daily bread. See, here's the thing is, I don't care how much money you have, our economy could collapse tomorrow. It has happened before, it will happen again. If our trust and our hope is in the things that we own and what we have, let me tell you, we are trusting in something that's far too small to build your life on. Our hope and our trust is in God. And when our hope and our trust is in God, you know what that does? It sets us free to be like crazy, outrageously, extravagantly generous. Folks, when a church is at its best, and I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come back up, but when a church is at its best, when it's praying God-shaped prayers, when it is spirit-filled and preaches the Word of God and the Gospel with boldness, when a church is at its best, when it is united and extravagantly generous, that causes a world, an unbelieving world, to look and to ponder. That causes a world, it causes people to look and consider that maybe our Jesus is worth following. Let's pray. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. You are faithful. God, you are holy, holy, holy. The, the Lord God Almighty. God, you are, you are everything that we need. Uh, God, we, we want to worship you and we want to praise you because you have absolute power. You are like awesomely in charge. And so we worship you and we praise you and we love you. God, we are so grateful 
that you are all these things, but you are also a God of love and mercy and compassion and grace. That you love lost people. You love us. You love me, God, even in my sin. You love me. And you love every person in this room. And Lord, we are, are grateful for all of that. And we praise you and worship you because of that. Lord, we, we, we don't want to just kind of go to church. We want to be the church. And we want to be the church at its best. Lord, we want our prayers to be God-shaped prayers. That, that, that our view of you would reshape the way we pray. That we would not be afraid to pay for parking spaces or pray for healing for someone that, uh, someone that we love who's very, very sick. God, we want to pray God-shaped prayers. And Lord, we, we want to be filled with your Spirit. Fill us, Lord, with your Spirit. And enable us to speak the word of God boldly. And God, we we do want to be united. United under Jesus. United in proclaiming the gospel. United under the teaching of your word. United through your spirit, the Holy Spirit. We want to be a united people, not a divided people. And God, we want to be outrageously generous. We we, We want to worship you and not things. We want to look to you and not money for our security. We want to fix our hope on you. God, we just pray. We pray. I pray for spiritual renewal in my life and the lives of these people. I pray for revival in this church. God, I pray for revival at Experience Church, at First Baptist, at Parkway, and every other church in our community. I pray for revival in our churches. And not just here in Fairfield, but across the state of California and this nation. God, I pray for revival. And God, I pray for spiritual awakening on my street, on Larchmont Drive. And on the street of every, every street of every person in this room, I pray, for, I pray for spiritual awakening on those streets. In every neighborhood that we live in, in this community, we pray for spiritual awakening. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Well, before we close up, I just have a few announcements that I'd like to highlight. Um, We just want to remind everyone we have small groups that are going on that are meeting now and that will be meeting back in the fall again. And all that information is on our app that you can um, just look that all up. Or you can also go to our website and visit www.solanovalley.org forward slash connect. And as a reminder, if you have forgotten, we have a great little event happening after church today. We have our ice cream social, and so ice cream will be provided, and we'd love for you to join us and stick around and finish off all those awesome treats. Um, Also, we'd like to encourage you to join us tonight at 6.30 p.m. for our revival prayer. We'll worship God together through music and then humbly pray for revival in our church our homes, community, and our world. And we'd love to have you partner with us in this. And then, as Gary mentioned, um, Monday evening, July 31st at 6 p.m., he will be hosting a barbecue at his home for all the men in our church, regardless of whether or not you're in his group. He wants everyone to come. So it's going to be a fun and relaxing time to just hang out, enjoy some great food together, and all the men are invited. And then, again, there's a sign-up sheet at the back table. 
Um, and finally, we just want to take a moment to worship God with our giving. Because giving is one of the most worshipful things that we can do. When we give, we are making eternal investments. And we are helping to support the most important mission of all. And that is the mission of inviting people to follow Jesus. So you can worship by giving in several different ways. And you can find them on our website again at solanovalley.org forward slash giving. Or by tapping give on the SVC app. Thank you very much, Elsa. Church, let's stand. Let's worship together one more time before we dive into that ice cream.